Welcome to Insights for Believers audio podcast. We believe the message you are about to receive from the Word of God today will ignite your faith in the saving grace of Jesus Christ and His love for you. Glory to Jesus. All right, tonight I want to talk to you about taking thoughts captive. Taking thoughts captive. Because I want you to understand that your thoughts are not just thoughts. Uh, Your thoughts are weapons. They are the tools that the devil, our enemy, is trying to use uh, to make your life go in a particular direction. Uh, if, you, if you would turn with me in your Bible to 2 Corinthians chapter number 10, and I'm going to be reading from verse 4. 2 Corinthians chapter number 10 from verse 4. Here's what it says. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Here's what it says again, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. So we've got a responsibility, according to this scripture, to bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ in order to conform with what Christ's intent for our lives are. So we've got to cast down imaginations. We've got to cast down arguments because imaginations and arguments are Satan's most effective weapons. If Satan wants to get a believer to to do certain things, he's not going to start by trying to get you to do those things. Is going to try to start by getting you to think certain things. So the minute it can put some thoughts in your mind, the goal and the destination is for you to eventually do something. But it starts with putting a thought in your mind. And once that thought comes into your mind, and you allow it and permit it to stay in your mind, it's going to become the things that you start to say with your mouth. So that's the process. It starts with a thought in your mind, and then it becomes the words that come out of your mouth. The minute it becomes the words that are coming out of your mouth, you are defining the direction of your life. This is extremely important. Now, I know that it's it's good for us to seek answers. Um, When people ask questions about the Christian faith or you read something in your Bible that you don't understand, it's good to ask questions because we, we ask questions to grow. But here is what I want to point out to you. You see, when you're asking questions, you've got to be very careful as well. Because sometimes you can ask questions not just with the, with the intention, because the motive is always the most important thing. And you can ask questions not just because you want to grow, but because you're looking for ways to discredit God. This is so critical. You have to understand it. And, and this may not be your intent, but I'm just saying you've got to watch out for this. This is something that we've got to watch out for. That when we are, we are asking questions that are in our minds, you know, and we're thinking thoughts and we're processing things, that you're not looking for a way to discredit God or discredit the scripture or discredit the faith. You are looking for a way to solidify your faith, to strengthen your faith. And this has got to be our motive because this is the arena that the enemy likes to play at. He's going to come into your thought life and and start to make you think in a certain way and try to start to make you process things in a way that take you away from the path of the faith. And this is extremely important. It is one of the enemy's most, is one of his favorite weapons, if not the most. 
So we've got to learn how to respond to this. And this is what I want to talk to you about. That your, your thoughts are weapons, but you've got another weapon that you can use to override your thoughts. And this is what Jesus had to say about it in Matthew chapter number 6. If you go with me to Matthew chapter 6 from verse 31. Here is what Jesus had to say. And for this, I, I'm, I'm going to use the original King James Version, the one that most people call the authorized King James Version, okay? And just because it, it says it in a very clear way. I don't say this all the time about the King James Version, but this one, it captures it the way that, that Jesus uh, tried to explain it, and it is very clear here from verse number 31. Look at what it says. Therefore, take no thought, saying... What shall we eat? In other words, the way that you take a thought is by saying. It says, therefore, take no thought, saying. So when a thought comes into your mind, the way that you take it, that you literally accept the thought, is when you say, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that you have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. He says, take no thought saying. Therefore, the way that we bring a thought into captivity is also by saying. So if the way that we accept the thought is by saying, it also means that the way that we take a thought captive is by saying, this is how we bring every thought into captivity. By saying something else and refusing to repeat the thought the enemy is presenting with. So the enemy presents you with a thought that says you're going to die young. That nobody in your family has ever lived to be 40 years old. And your 40th birthday is coming up. And it begins to put thoughts in your mind. You say, you know, nobody in your family has ever lived to be 40 years old. You're going to die before you're 40. You're going to die before you're 40. That is not the time to keep quiet because a closed mouth is a closed destiny. Did you hear what I said? A closed mouth is a closed destiny. The way that you take that thought captive and bring it into the obedience of Christ is by saying something. Is by opening up your mouth and saying, I shall live and not die. This is what the word of God says. And you respond to the enemy with those words. Now, let me tell you, this is an analogy that I love to use. That if, if I ask you right now where you are, and I say to you, begin to count from 1 to 10 in your mind. Don't say it out, just as a thought. Begin to count from 1 to 10. If you get to, let's say, 5 or 6, and I stop you in the middle of your counting, and I say to you, what is your name? If you decide that you're going to respond to me, you are going to have to stop the thoughts. So you can't, you can't respond to me with your name and continue counting at the same time. Therefore, your words override your thoughts. So when you're thinking something in your mind and you want to override that thought, the way to go about it is either with another thought that is more powerful, but the most effective way is with your words. It is by saying something. That is the most effective way. So when you speak, you override your thoughts. Never fail to respond to the enemy. And this is so important. Never fail to respond to the enemy when he puts thoughts in your mind. Never fail to do so. Whenever the enemy bombards you with a thought 
that says that you're not going to make progress or the business that you're starting is not going to succeed or your ministry is not going to move forward or certain things are not going to happen. You're not going to find the, uh, right, the right spouse. Oh, look at you now. You're, you're in your 30s now. Your DM is dry, 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 dry. Nobody is even sending you a DM. Nobody is even looking at you. You go for a singles meeting. Nobody is saying hi to you. And it starts to put thoughts in your mind to say you're going to be 40 years old and you're not going to have a wife. You're going to be 40 years old and you're not going to have a husband. I need you to be able to open up your mouth and respond to that thought by saying something that the scripture says, none shall lack our mate. This is how we win this fight. This is the way that we respond to the enemy. I mean, when we were starting out in ministry and we wanted to plant this church, the enemy kept saying to me that this church you are about to start, who are the people that are going to come and, and attend this church? And the thought kept coming to my mind that, you see, you're starting this church, it's going to fail. Nobody's going to come. <laughs> and the thought kept coming to me every single time. But every time that the thought came to me, I responded with the word of God. I had a scripture from Isaiah 41 verse 5 that God had given me. And I would declare it every single time. I mean, every time that the thought came to my mind, I declared it. The coastland saw it and feared. The ends of the earth were afraid. They drew near and came. Because that's the word that God had given me. And I would respond to the enemy with that word every time. Now, it might start by having that thought 20 times a day. It might start that way. And every time the thought is coming, but you are responding. As you continue to respond, it will start coming less and less. It will be 15 times a day. It will be 10 times a day. After a while, you will realize that you will go a whole day and the thought hasn't come to you. And you, you, you are, you are, maybe it's when you're about to go to bed that the thought crosses your mind that, oh, this is going to happen. And then you declare that word again. After some time, the enemy will leave you alone. He did the exact same thing with Jesus. He has no new tricks. He, he tried his best three times, but the, the Jesus kept responding with the word. And at the end of the day, he had to leave him alone for a season. So he's not going to leave you alone forever. He will leave you alone for what? A season. He will leave you for a season. And he will still try another time. When he sees that you're probably less awake, then he will try again and try to make you conform to what he's, he's putting in your, in your mind to think about. He's trying to get you to use your words to agree with what he's putting in your mind. This is how you birth a vision. This is how you birth a good, a, a good marriage. This is how your, your, your kids are going to turn out right. The enemy is putting thoughts in your mind now and saying, oh, this particular child that is giving you trouble right now is not going to turn out well. That's not the time to keep quiet, sir. That is not the time to be silent. That is not the time to be a nice Christian. That is the time to open up the word of God and find scriptures that guarantee you that my children are blessed of the Lord and great shall be their peace. This is extremely important. And this is what we need to do. Okay? So during the good times and the bad times, you have to maintain your confession. Because 2 Timothy 4 verse 2 says, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. He says, preach the word. Preach the word. The first person that you've got to be able to preach to is yourself. That is the first person that you have got to be able to look in the mirror and say to yourself that you are going somewhere. That the hand of God is upon you and you've got enough inside of you for the nations. This is what I do to myself. 
when I feel discouraged, when I feel like things are not going the way that I, that I want them to. And even when it looks like things are working out the way that I want it to, I still don't take those times as the, 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 the ultimate. I still use the word of God to align myself with what God has said to me. You know, I heard a very interesting analogy of, of this of how God works with us when we are, you know, in, in seasons of our lives. And we, many people have tried to explain the, the concept of seasons. But this one that I heard, it's so powerful. It's so powerful, and I want to share it with you. You see, when God gives you a vision, when God wants to show you where he's taking you to and what your life is going to be like, what he does is that he, he presents the picture to you, let's say, in form of a cake. So you look at the cake, it's beautiful. It is all nice and, and, well, and well. It's got candles on it. It's got lights. And you can, you, you know, it's, it's all done. And it's ready to go. That's what it shows you. But the minute it shows you that vision and you accept the vision, it's going to take the cake away. So the next thing that's going to happen to your life is that you enter a season of eggs. And what is a season of eggs? Everything around you is breaking and cracking. The minute you touch something, it, it falls and it cracks. I mean, one man of God said that the first person that he prayed for, when he started his ministry, the first person that he, the first sick person that he prayed for actually went on to die. And he questioned his existence and said, did God really call me? So things are going to happen like that. That looks like a season of eggs where everything is just falling apart. But God is giving you eggs. The next thing that God does there now is, is to also give you something called sugar. And you look around you after that season of things breaking and cracking all around you. Then you experience a season of sugar where everything is sweet, where everything is just nice. And you say, God, thank you. Now, yeah, this is what I'm talking about. That season was just, uh, by the way, this one is the real thing. This is it. This is what God promised me. Then things look, things are looking good. And things that you are making progress. You are getting more inquiries. You are getting more clients. And it looks like, yeah, this is really going to work. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> the season of eggs becomes a season of flour. Everything's dry. Nobody's reaching out anymore. You show up and nobody else shows up. Then you start questioning yourself and saying, what's going on? Did God really call me? What am I doing? That's a season of flower. And you've got to understand that it might look dry. And after a season of flower, when it looks like everything is dry and you're about to choke on the dryness, then it gives you a season of milk and honey all at the same time. And the season of milk and honey is that you're tasting goodness all around you. Everything you're looking, everything is looking good. And you say, yeah, this has got to be the end. This is it. Like, yeah, I've suffered enough. <laughs> this is what it's all about. And God is about to do everything well for me. Then he takes the milk and honey away and gives you a tray. And then you say, God, boy, what you showed me was a cake. What is going on? That because he wants you to understand that Romans 8.28 says that all things are working together for your good. Everything that is going on in your life right now, I've, got, I've come to assure you that it's all working together for what? For your good. He says to those that love God, to those that are called according to his purpose. So whether things are looking good or they are not looking so good, you don't base your response or your joy and your happiness on the happenings around you. Because happiness is based on happenings, but joy is something that comes from the inside. So we don't observe lying vanities. According to, to what Jonah chapter 2 verse 8 says, if you read it in the King James Version, it says, they that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. Other translation says, they that regard worthless idols. So when you look around you and it looks like things are looking good, that's a worthless idol. Don't fix your attention on that. Fix your attention on what Jesus told you, on the word of God that you are looking at. That has got to be where your attention is. And every time, I'm saying this to you every single time that a negative thought comes into your heart, that is a clue that God is giving you 
as to what is going on in the realm of the spirit. That is not the time to be quiet. When a thought crosses your mind that, that looks like a negative thought and you say, this is not in alignment, it's not in agreement with the plan of God for my life, God is giving you a clue to what is going on in the realm of the spirit and he expects you to respond to that. He does not expect you to be quiet and you cannot afford to be quiet. Anything that gives you concern concerning your future, that is not the time to be silent. That is the time to open up your mouth and to say something about your future, to declare the word of God. The devil is putting it in your mind. You heard some news that someone's, someone's got cancer at a particular age. And as, even though you may be far away from that age, the enemy is telling you, you see all this candy and Pepsi that you're drinking right now. That's where you're going to end up. <laughs> you're going to end up with diabetes. <laughs> you're going to end up with all these problems, all these health issues. That's what you're going to end up with. You've got, that is the time for you to write out your confession concerning your future. Now, you've got to make wise decisions as you go along, but you must be making the right confession. You must be saying the right thing and saying... I'm, I'm living the fullness of my days in health. With long life, he has satisfied me and showed me salvation. Because as he thinks in his heart, so is he. Proverbs 23, verse 7. As he thinks in his heart, so is he. Even if it is said in your heart, it actually counts. Let me repeat that. Even if it is just in your heart that you are thinking about it, it actually counts. Let me prove it to you. Do you know that the devil, you know the story of the devil, that he, he, he rebelled against God in heaven and he was kicked out of heaven and sent down to the earth and all of that stuff. Now, here is what many people have not realized, that the devil did not actually voice out his rebellion. He did not say it with his mouth. Let me prove it to you. Go to Isaiah chapter number 14, and let's look at it in the Bible. Isaiah 14, verse 12 to 15. Isaiah 14 from verse 12 to 15. Here is what it reads. How you are fallen from heaven... O Lucifer, son of the morning, how you are cut down to the ground, you who weakened the nations. Verse 13 says, For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven, I will exalt my throne above the stars of God, I will also sit on the mountain of the congregation. So he says, Lucifer said where? In his heart. He didn't say it with his mouth. It was something that he was processing in his heart. But as far as God was concerned, that was just as important as what would eventually come out of his mouth. And God was not going to wait until it started to come out of his mouth because it might be too late at that point. Because that's what happened at the Tower of Babel, if you, if you know that story, that God looked from heaven and said, this thing that these people are doing, nobody is going to be able to stop them because they are, they are in agreement. They speak the same language. They are communicating this vision. It is coming out of their mouth repeatedly. Nobody's going to be able to stop them. That's the reason why God kicked Satan out of heaven right away. Because if he allowed him to start opening his mouth to communicate those thoughts that he was thinking in his heart, it would be almost impossible to stop him. So this is so critical. The three things, what you think, what you write, and what you say, they all count in the courts of heaven. What you think... What you write, what you say, they all count in the courts of heaven. Now, your words are more powerful because they, they override your thoughts. But let me ask you a question. The people that are dumb, they can't speak. That, but by a medical condition, some people who were born that way, who can't speak, how would they make confessions? I've always wondered about that. How are they going to make confessions? How do they communicate? We say all those things that you have to say the right thing all the time. They can't speak. So how do they communicate to God? How do they do all those things? It's by their thoughts, because their thoughts are also valid as far as God is concerned. And that's exactly what happened with the case of Satan. Let me prove to you 
according to the scriptures, that what you write is also as valid. Let's look at it. Go with me to Luke chapter number 1 from verse 59. And this is the story of Zechariah. And I want to show you here that the, what you are thinking in your mind, what you are writing down, what you are tweeting, <laughs> you know, all those things, what you are posting on Facebook, all those things count in the court of heaven. Luke chapter 1 from verse 59. So it was on the eighth day that they came to circumcise the child and they would have called him by the name of his father, Zacharias. His mother answered and said, no, he shall be called John. But they said to her, there is no one among your relatives who is called by this name. So they made signs to his father because his father couldn't speak at this point. What he, what he would have him called, verse 63 says, and he asked for a writing tablet. I love this. If you were reading this in the, were writing this in the 21st century, it would literally say, and he asked for his iPad and wrote saying, look at that. He says he wrote saying. So when you write, you are saying. He says he wrote saying his name is John. So they all marveled. Immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue loosed and he spoke praising God. So he wrote saying. When you write, you are saying. What he wrote activated his tongue. So what you are tweeting counts. I'm telling you what you tweet counts. What you post on Facebook counts. Your tickety talk counts. <laughs> Everything you post counts. So you've got to be watchful over these things. That you are not being careless. That you are not being careless. And this is so important. So any negative thoughts, any negative writing, anything concerning you that you don't want, you override them with your words. The, 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 the story that I was, I was sharing with you before about Jesus and Satan when he was being tempted, it was a war of words. Jesus did not allow Satan to have the last word. Every time Satan said, it is written, Jesus said, it is also written. Because anytime it is written, it is also written. Because out of the mouth of two or three witnesses. So if you cannot find three places that confirm what you are saying, two or three, you've got to know that it is also written. You can read the story in Luke chapter number four. Jesus said to him, but every time he said something... Jesus said, it is also written. The same thing with the story of David and Goliath. It was a war of words. It wasn't a war of skill. Because as far as skill was concerned, Goliath would literally crush David. But it was a war of words. Every time, the Goliath, 1 Samuel number, uh, chapter number 17, that's where you find that story. Now, every time that Goliath said something, that you, am I, am I a dog? That you've brought this kid to come and fight with me. I'm going to crush you. I'm going to do this. The, the, the Goliath said all manner of things. He terrorized the, the, the army of, of Israel for a, for a long time, for days. He kept coming out, terrorizing everybody. But nobody was able to respond with any words. Nobody was able to respond until David showed up. And he said, you are an uncircumcised Philistine. I'm going to cut off your head and I'm going to feed you to the dogs. He responded to him every single time. That's what defined that battle. And that's what's going to de define the battle of your life. You don't want to keep quiet. You don't want to sit on the couch and watch things happen to you. Thoughts are coming into your mind that are giving you concern. You've got to be able to open up your mouth and respond to those thoughts. So get up right now and begin to respond. Don't keep quiet. Open up your mouth. Go ahead and declare some words right now as we close. Declare some words right now. Where you are, anything that, that, that has been giving you concern, anything that has been troubling you, that looks like this has been coming to me over and over again. I'm saying to you, that is a clue into the realm of the Spirit. Begin to declare right now and say, I will live 
I will not die. I am the head, I am not the tail. I'm not a failure, I'm a success. In the name of Jesus, the second half of this year will be better than the first half because the glory of the latter house is greater than that of the former. Open up your mouth now and declare this word. Say it. Say, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, every tongue that rises against me in judgment is condemned right now. In the name of Jesus Christ. Glory to God. Father, we thank you for your word tonight. And we give you praise and glory for it. We ask that our hearts will be established in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for listening to Insights for Believers today. For more information or to send us questions, testimony, and feedback, please visit us at www.insightsforbelievers.org. Be blessed today, and we'll see you again soon.